Hello, welcome to the Climb Blue podcast, our post-match reaction for Brentford as Aston Villa win on the road at a difficult place to go. I'm your host, Dan Rowlinson, joined by the lovely Neil Dunworth from the Love of Paul McGraw podcast, who's got a lovely neon sign. Neil, looks lovely. That's yeah, a gift from a gift from family member, I think. I uh, can't remember who okay. gave it to me. Damn, did I just, did I, I think I've just got it wrong. It isn't even Christmas yet and I've already alienated somebody, I think. Um, oh, well. <laughs> well, before we start it. Oh, that is the wrong button. I apologise. Um, before we started, we've both got little children. We've both done the bedtime and bath time routine. You look a lot better than I do. I've been running around the, heart, the house like a blue ass fly. So apologies for the, the rosy cheeks, the big head. I can't do much about the big head, to be fair. Uh, and the big red ears. Um, right. Aston Villa have won in a difficult game, Neil, for very different reasons. And we're going to talk through that in the next half an hour or so. But a huge, huge three points, that, isn't it? Massive, absolutely huge three points, and and huge in a lot of ways. Like we've, if, like in anyone's wildest dreams, on the seventeenth of December, did anyone think that we'd have a four point lead over Manchester City? You know, like like God. incredible stuff. Even Liverpool drawing with Manchester United today, like it's it, it keeps mm-hmm. us one point off top going into going into the Christmas period when, you know, arguably we have. We have games where we can get points from, and I, the reason I hesitated on that was because yes, we've got two teams in the bottom two, and we've got Manchester United, and we didn't play great for the first forty-five minutes today. Well, probably for realistically for the first seventy minutes today, but the team came out with three points, and that's the beautiful thing about today. And it was there. There was a lot of talking points in the last twenty, last nineteen minutes or so, or twenty-nine minutes, if you include the ten minutes added on. But the team found a way to win away from home today, and we've got the best yeah. home record in the league, and we've the sixth best away record now. So you know, Listen. talking talking about talking talking about our away form being poor is 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 we fixed a good aspect of it with the Spurs win and with the Brentford win, and winning rises all boats really. Mm. I uh, I wanted to wait as close as we could to full time in, in Liverpool Man United, and obviously we we have had full time before we started nil um, nil in that game, as obviously Ooh. everyone will know. Uh, it's, Big, big for us. I'm surprised Man United managed to do that. Uh, I assume that it's the first time Liverpool have not won at home, I think, since um, the end of last season. Do you remember, by any chance, who was the last team to take points at Anfield? Was it us? It was us, yeah. The one all draw at the back end of the season. We were the last team to take uh, points off uh, Liverpool at home. Obviously, they had a 100% record like Villa until today. Villa are the only side now in the Premier League to have won every single home fixture, um, which is unbelievable in itself. And we've now managed to find a way to start winning on the road as well, which has been the thing we've been kind of bemoaned all season, that Villa aren't that good at home. And like you said, that now puts us up to sixth in the the away table, if you like. Um, And this game specifically, and that ground specifically, we've not won there for however many years it is back into the the 50s or whatever uh, since we've been playing them again since 2016 in the championship and then the Premier League by 10 games or 11 games against them now we've won one and that was Aaron Danks's 4-0 madness last year the rest we've dropped points against Brentford every single game until today Um, so to get that kind of of record out of the way is another big tick in in Unai Emery's uh, record-breaking boxes Um, and the manner of the, the way the game went as well, and we'll talk about the, the madness of the last 10 minutes or so, but to be behind and not playing well and still find a way to win, yes, whilst Villa may not become Premier League champions this season, that is the stuff of champions. That is the thing Premier League champions do. They find ways to win, even if they're not playing well, away from home as well. I agree with everything you said, and I would even add a small piece into it, Dan, as well. We capitalised on 
you know, when another team shot themselves in the foot with Ben Mee's mm. right card, we capitalized yeah. on that. Within six minutes, we were level, and then there was only one team in it. There was one team uh, in it then from there on in, you know, 11 versus 10. Villa Villa smelled blood in the water, and they went for it. Uh, and uh, I thought in a lot of ways, we, obviously I mentioned we didn't play very well uh, up to the Ben Mee sending off. But I think one of the biggest things is that I didn't think that, you know, I thought their, their goal was fortuitous. Um, like uh, Alex Moreno um, should have really cleared that ball and then he has a little stab at it really Lewis Potter and, or, or, and it goes into the back of the net but fair play to him you know it goes through a load of bodies and they were the better team to get that um, to, to, to get that, uh, that that goal but um, we could just as easily have been nil all at that stage uh, and we were riding our luck but then once our luck changed we capitalised on it and we looked by far the better team changes as well that Unai Emery made uh, shuffled the deck and were an awful lot more um, uh, there was an awful lot more input I think from some of those players that came in as well Yeah it was similar to the Arsenal game in weird ways that we were not the, the best team of, in the game but still managed to find mm. all three points that the Arsenal game very different they had a lot of the ball they had the chances and we found a way to have a bit of grit and determination to come through that but likewise today for the first well, I know you mentioned that we didn't play great and I agree but we did have a lot of the ball throughout that game a lot of just kind of aimless not aimless it's kind of harsh. We didn't create some chances, but not the usual kind of free-flowing football that we're now used to. It's mm. passing, kind of keep going back to one side, nothing there. Okay, we'll come back, we'll go again, we'll try a different way, nothing there. Okay, and just kind of keeping the ball, not really doing anything, playing in front of Brentford and, and just not being able to break them down. And that's a way that Villa have struggled in the past when we've got to go and break a side down. We can't do that. Mm. Uh, and it did feel like oh, maybe this is going to be one of those where we should have scored some chance or hit the target at least with some of the chances we did have. The Matty Cash one, I think it was difficult, but I think he should be hitting the target. And the Ramsey one is the one, isn't it? The way he's kind of missed that that effort to not even hit the target is is poor. And we'll touch on Ramsey in a second though, because I, I think he was rusty for obvious reasons. But in other years, Villa lose that game 1-0. Or maybe we get back into it and we get a one all, and we probably go, oh, that's a decent point, we move on. And for a mid-table club, that it would be a decent point. You've come, come from behind, got a point at a place where you, is a, a bogey ground for you, happy days, that's okay. For this Villa side under Unai Emery, though, that wants to be in the Champions League or the title race, a point wouldn't have been a good result, even from behind. And then to go down to 10 men for Brentford as well, a point would not have been a good result. Yeah. You want to go and win in those situations because the clubs that are at the top, if Arsenal go to that game, Liverpool, Man City, they find a way to win. And that's what Villa did today, and that's what's so key. And as much as we can talk about the title race, and we say that it's in every single episode, it's building that back that gap behind us. I think it's nine points now to even drop out of the top five, which is ridiculous. Yep. Um, four points out of Man City in fourth. I, it's unbelievable, isn't it, that what what we're doing here? And yet we're all kind of waiting for. I think as kind of pessimistic Villa fans by nature, ah, uh, when's this going to end? This will end at some point, but it shows no signs of ending. So long may it continue. And and that's the thing. Like, no matter what happens, we would be ahead of Man City at Christmas time. Yeah, which if you'd have said that at the start of the season, you'd go, well, Villa must be near the top then. And we are. Yeah. It's not Man City yeah. having a terrible yeah. season and we're we're ninth and they're eighth. Uh, we're eighth and they're ninth. It's that, no, they're still right up there, but we're still still above them. That's mad. Yeah, it's, it's not like last year where we were holding an 11th for ages and couldn't yeah, leapfrog yeah. Chelsea. And then once we got out, up above Chelsea, then we, we, we got into into Europe, obviously the European positions. But this year, we, we are where we are on merit. It's not because any other team has been, been um, poorer than they have been traditionally. It's because we're, like the teams that we've beaten have been 
Like, like we've got we've got the best points per game ratio of any team against teams that they play when they've played a team if they've been in the top ten. And I'll try and explain that better. So when we've played teams and they've been in the top ten in the Premier League, uh, now some of those teams have, have dropped out of that top ten now. But when we played them, they were in there and they were on form. We've the best points total uh, against those teams, point per game total um, against any of those teams in the Premier League. And so it's not like we're just beating uh, teams we should be beating. We're beating teams around us and beating teams yeah. at the top of the league. Will it last forever? As you said, I don't know. I don't know. Will it last forever? And and I gave an answer before about are we in the are we in the title race? And my exact answer was doesn't really matter now whether we're in the title race or not. What we're doing is we're enjoying football. We're enjoying where we are. We're loving winning. We're setting records. We've this a record-setting season of eight, our, our calendar year, should I say, 81 points in 25 games won. Aston Villa have never done that in the Premier League before. And we're just enjoying it. And when people talk about the title race, it doesn't matter at this moment in time who's in the title race. It will matter in March. And if we get through this Christmas period and we're top of the league might start to get a bit excited then at that stage you know but uh for the moment we just gotta just gotta enjoy what we have and and uh like because there's a lot of framing of are we in the title race in in almost a way that you could say well well villa dropped out of the title race they mustn't have had a good season but where villa have come from this is bonkers what's happening yeah. at the moment so that's why i don't really talk about the title race too much and when i get asked questions in other podcasts that's how i frame it i'm like mm. anyone else can talk about us being in the being in the in the uh, the title race, but that's somebody else putting their expectation on us as fans to want to be in the title race, which we do, but our expectation is that if we win it, absolutely brilliant, I won't wear pants for a week, it'll be absolutely fine in my world, but if we finish in the Champions League, I just won't wear pants for two days, and uh, you know, so it's 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 that kind of stuff that we have to take as football fans, not every single team has to be in the title race or has to feel the pressure of a title race. They just got to play every game as it comes. And that's the way I'm seeing it at the moment. Mm, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned the record in 2023 and we're doing our end of year special tomorrow, which mm. I'll talk about at the end uh, where we look at 2023 as a whole. To 81 points in a calendar year is is ridiculous for, for Aston Villa. I think when Leicester won the league, again, we're going to talk about the title for a few minutes and then we'll go on to some match specific stuff. Um, I think it was what mid 80s maybe off the top of my head they got to, 84 or something like that. Um, which is low from the standards that Man City and Liverpool have set over the last four or five seasons with getting mid-90s to 100 points, which is, you know, if you're going to win the league, you're going to have to get to 90-something, 92, 94, something like that. Can Villa get to 92, 94 points this season? I don't believe so, no. I think we've... uh, I I don't think we will. But I'm not no, quite sure any other team that. will either. Look, look how look how many points exactly, have been yeah. have been dropped and spread spread around the league so far. Yeah. So when you're talking about 81 points in the calendar calendar year, if Villa can get 80 odd points, you know, 81, 82 points in this season, would that be enough to win the title? Again, probably not. But I think it would be enough for third place, maybe, and comfortably inside the top four in going straight into a. Uh, is it the group stage for the Champions League or however it works rather than a qualification round? I think they're trying to... Uh, the Champions League is anymore. completely changing next year anyway. It's changed into one big massive league and you play yeah. 10 games, five five home, five away next season and there's additional games and everything. So to be just our luck to get in there and and for the whole thing to be an absolute farce from yeah. from you know production point of view or, or an, a logistical point of view. be just our luck. Um, hey, well, it's it, a lot to win it though, Neil. It doesn't matter, does it? Oh, if it's laid out, if you win it, you win it. If you go forward, it you go forward. It absolutely, um, and there's going to be more money in it as well. And realistically speaking, yeah, look, yeah. that's what it's about. 
It's about yeah, elevating the Champions League. I mean, we've we targeted our videos differently this year to be more YouTube-y, algorithm-based, to try and get as many people viewing as possible because that's the name of the game, to get people to click. Not clickbait, it's very different. Uh, but a few weeks ago, we had a title like um, why Aston Villa must get into the top four, and people were saying must is a strong word, and I agree it was, but it was, it's good for YouTube titles. However, the point right now, we must get into the Champions League next season. I genuinely believe that because you have to bridge those revenue gaps. And we've, we've said this argument a million times. But to be where we are now on the 17th of December, you have to at least qualify for the Champions League now, in my opinion. We're, we're ahead of just a top seven spot, I think. I think we genuinely have to go for top four to bridge that gap and bring in better players and all that kind of stuff. Sorry to cut you off on that one, but it's it's interesting you mentioned that because I was only thinking about that five minutes before we went live because I had a funny feeling the conversation was going to go that go down that uh, that route. Um, I remember last year as well thinking about ah, City are going to, or Newcastle are going to drop off. They're going to finish fifth or sixth and it'll be Europa League and it'll be great, great performance for them. And then around March, I kind of went, they're not going to drop off, are they? It was actually yeah, late and February. And, I was going, and that's exactly, yeah. So once we get to that point, I think I'll, you know, I'll, I'll exhale at that stage and I'll go, yeah, look, I, I think we're probably out the gap now with regards to this one and see what happens there. Um, mm. But like, as I say, these next three, three games are huge for Aston Villa Football Club. Yeah, Absolutely massive for yeah. Aston Villa Football Club. I mean, we're at this weird situation. I was a comment there from Howard Jones. What a happy discussion to have. I'm so happy to be thinking this way. And I know we can get bogged down in this title race, Champions League, when we could just be going game by game. And I get that that's what the mantra should be. And for the players and the staff, it will be. But as fans, as podcasters, whatever you want to call us, get carried away. Dream about it. Why not? If, we, if you can't get excited about being one point off the top of the league on the 17th of December, what is the point of any of this? So I say Man United are seventh. We're 10 points ahead of them. We beat yeah. Man United, who was seventh place in that buffer of just the Europa uh, Conference League. Be thirteen, 13 points, points, not qualify for at least the Champions League. At that point, to me, would be slightly disappointing. I know that sounds mad. We're still half a season to go, and how much can change? But you've got to do what Newcastle did. You've got to capitalise on this moment where we're better than sixteen, what fifteen, sixteen other teams in the league. You've got to capitalise on that and get into the Champions League to bridge that next gap. And if we win the Europa Conference League, we elevate England's coefficient again, That's which will probably unlock the fifth place for uh, Europa Champions League. And as Kevin Gitton says here, and I know we're jumping between between the two conversations, we should be top after Friday night if we win. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And as you say, these next three games are massive, and Mr. Kamara is missing for those, which we'll talk about in a bit as well. Apologies, by the way, but this podcast is absolutely all over the shop. Um, but these, this is what this show is. This is why we do it live, so we can bounce around and just flow with our uh, emotions i guess um just on the topic christmas thing because it's it's a genuine possibility not just for next friday but for christmas day as well that liverpool and arsenal play each other next week if that ends in a draw as liverpool man united did today and villa beat sheffield united next friday which let's face it we should be doing again if Villa have aspirations of being a, a top four club beat sheffield united at, at home uh, Villa will not only be top on the 23rd for the evening until that game is played, which would look bloody lovely, wouldn't it, to be doing a podcast next week because top of the league would be great. If they drop points, though, Liverpool or Arsenal, Villa will be top on Christmas Day. Do you want to have a guess, Neil, of the 31 Premier League seasons since 1992, how many times the leader of the league on Christmas Day has gone on to actually win the league? Oh, it's gone on to win it. Uh... Gone on to actually win it, yeah. 
is I was thinking, were we not top under Gregory one year with Dion Dublin and we didn't go on to win it? And I think that's probably yeah. it. So is it 30 out of 31 times then? No, it's actually <laughs> not quite as many as that. It's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, da, 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 17. 17? So, Still, it's four, over 50% chance. Yeah, 14 teams have been top at Christmas. One of those, Villa, in uh, the late 90s, early 2000s, um, and didn't obviously go on to win it. 17 other t- uh, times, get my words out, the leader on Christmas Day went on to win the league. Our last few, like Liverpool were top and then Man City won it. Arsenal were obviously top last year, Man City won it. Um, I think Chelsea were top one year, then Man City might have won it. So yes, where we are on Christmas Day does not really mean anything towards the end of the season. Um, but to talk about like a title race and whether we're in it or not, if we're still in it come March, April, yeah, absolutely, of course we're in it. And if we dropped off then, <laughs> if you're top at April and don't win the league, all of a sudden there are going to be people going, oh, that's quite disappointing. If we yeah. didn't win the league from this position, I don't think there's going to be any Villa fan out there going, that's a bad season, Villa didn't no. win the league. That's so disappointing. Like a lot can change. I genuinely feel like as of tonight though, and again, my opinion on this might change in a week, two weeks, three weeks. If Villa don't finish in the Champions League places now, I would be disappointed at, at that stage. So I do think we're so far ahead of where we kind of should be that we've got enough of a buffer to just keep finding ways to win. Like, are we going to lose three consecutive games over the course of a four or five week period I, and drop out of the top five at any point? I don't think we will. I, and, and I don't think that, look, any team I don't can think be we'll drop into the sixth really. place at any point now. I'm going to say it here right now. On the 17th of December, I don't think Villa will be any less than fifth place for the remainder of the season. Well, but the way the the way the, the, the kind of fixture list and the fixture calendar is set up, barring catastro- cat- catastrophic injuries all over the place, I just so. don't think it's set up for us to lose three games in a row. Yeah, like, obviously, form-wise, we, we could... You also have on Spurs and Man United to have won those three games that Villa lose as well to actually bridge the gap. Like, I don't see a situation where Villa drop out of the top five now for the remainder of the season. And whether that gets Champions League is obviously dependent on what uh, the, the English clubs do in Europe. But I think we'll finish in the top four and, and that won't even be a consideration. I, I genuinely fully believe now that we're going to be playing in, in the Champions League next season. Yeah, me so. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to match-specific stuff about Brentford. Let's talk about Ben Mee, um, sadly. Let's do it in two two instances. Despicable Me. Despicable Me. Lovely. I like that. That should be the I robbed it from Paddy. I robbed it uh, from Paddy yeah. and my because to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the McGinn one first of all. McGinn's kind of jostling rugby tackle on, on Ben Mee. Was that a penalty for you? Do you do you do you think? I think I think VAR. <laughs> I think VAR got that one wrong. I think that probably was uh, that one could have been a penalty. I think it could have. Like I would have been calling for it at the other end as as a yeah. Villa fan, and, and also VAR one where Alex Moreno pulls down pulls down Wissa as well. You know, mm-hmm. and we can take off the claret and blue glasses now, even though we've just been speaking about potentially winning the league. <laughs> I thought both of those were f- like I know VAR can't turn around, can't overturn it for free. Um, that it has to be for a penalty, and that was probably outside the box, so I could see it, but it was a clear pull. There's a clear tug of the of the jersey. The McGinn one was objective. I think who yeah. was holding who and and it just it, it looked worse from the McGinn point of view. Um but hey, I don't care. Let's get our fortune from VAR all we all we want, because it's uh it's now part of the game and it's basically who wins the VAR battle uh, has a better chance of winning the game. So pff, let's let's take all those breaks we can get. 
Yeah, I totally agree. It's one of those where you, if it had been given, you'd gone, well, I've seen them given. It, you know, it's one of those, isn't mm-hmm. it? It gets that, that cliche. Uh, but thankfully, it didn't go Brentford's way and we, we kind of get away with one to, an, to a certain extent, I did feel. Uh, let's talk about the, the red card for Ben Mee, which, as Adibi says in the comments, I'm quite shocked that's the first time in 10 years Ben Mee has been sent off. Me too. That astounded me when I heard that on commentary. It's his first red card for 10 years because I think he's a dirty footballer. Uh, we saw what he did to Ben uh, to Ben Mee, to Wesley, of course, on, was it New Year's Day 2020 or 2021 uh, against Burnley, Burnley Villa, of course. Uh, put Wesley out of football for a long time. The tackle today, Thomas Frank, not a red, he said after his, his post-match interview, which again, I think is utterly bizarre. Um, but talk, talk me through your process of how you saw it Initially, obviously, the referee gives it as a yellow. Uh, VAR recommends a review. As soon as you see the first replay, I went red card. He, the, the contact is high yep. for a split second, two foot off, two feet off the ground. He's coming at pace. Um, if Leon Bailey's leg is planted, that's a leg breaker. So how that is given as a yellow card to begin with, I thought was strange. To go and see it on, um, on VAR, rightly upgraded to a red card. But for Thomas Frank and a lot of the Brentford fans to be saying not a red is foolish. I, I think it was definitely right. In Look, in real time, when Yellow was given, I was there okay. Then they replayed it, and I went, oh, that's over the ball. That's like like Basuma. I know it's not as high as Basuma, yeah. but they get given all the time. And, and do you know what the stupid thing about, or, or, or the stupid thing about it is from Ben Mee? He's no reason to make the tackle there. He's facing his own goal, and, and it's just it's just a stupid, silly, like stupid tackle. Like um, the game. like as much as oh, as like moan yeah. about it, I think if if Ben Mee stays on and it's eleven v eleven, there's a possibility that Brentford win that one 0 or maybe we yeah. get away with a one or two. Oh yeah, one hundred That's a decent result to be fair against yeah. eleven. As they, they bring on Nathan Collins. Capitalise here. We've got to go on at least get the point. We could we could be winning here, and obviously it changed very quickly after that. But it's the most blatant red card I've probably seen this season. Yeah, or, or uh, well, yeah, it, it was it was a red card for me, but like. They're probably going to win that one nil. They'd bring on Nathan Collins, who, you know, I love Nathan Collins. Think he's think he's a really good player. There's no way Nathan Collins could have been fit. Absolutely no way in the world he could have been fit. Um, and yeah. he was he's back two weeks earlier than he should have been. Like by what what was said when he got injured as well. And he came on and he played the last 19 minutes of the game. Um, and, and they tried to keep it keep their three at the back formation going to four at the back. I think we would have completely and utterly um gone to town. On, on, on that because we were beginning to start to probe a small little bit albeit we had a couple of shots like Aaron, like Jacob Ramsey's in the first half McGinn had a chance Moreno had a couple of chances in the first half so we weren't we weren't really poor we were just wasteful and it, a lot of the stuff looked like it wasn't flow, fluid and, f- and free-flowing as you mentioned but when Ben Mee gets sent off it, it, we we really came into our own because we could attack at them you know we really could when they only had one up top yeah, let's talk about Moreno and Ramsey then. I keep glancing down, by the way, because I've got some notes on a whiteboard because I'm a massive loser. Um, I thought Ramsey, I thought both actually were a little bit rusty for very obvious reasons. They've not played a lot of football. They're just coming back themselves. I'm not uh, digging into them at all. I think Moreno grew into the game with time and obviously he scores. Um, and I thought some of his defensive play was decent as well. He's still got his pace. He's still you know the player that we know. Um, but he took a bit of time to get going. Ramsey was the one that I thought struggled throughout pretty much. I think yeah. he still is. It's too soon for him to be to be starting games and being uh, the player that we know he can be, which is absolutely fine. I understand he's going to have to get up to speed. You know, we're talking about Bailey not being really fit to start. Tiedemann's being out. Saniolo has been blowing hot and cold. 
Ramsey's kind of got to play at the moment. So there's going to be some juggling between those players over the next three or four weeks, I think, and that's that's absolutely fine. The biggest chance of the game, really, for me, was that Ramsey one because it was a nice move, wasn't it? Uh, I think Watkins with a nice little cushioned header down to him. He's got loads of time and space to pick his opportunity where he wants to put it, and he just slices through it. And ultimately, that's not gone to to cost us anything, and it's absolutely fine. I don't want this to come across as a negative, but those that left hand side, I was so excited to get them back. And once they are fit and ready, it's a, it's a great side we've got there. That starting eleven is it's brilliant, and the, the kind of the, the support cast around them is getting stronger and stronger. But seeing Moreno and Ramsey on the on the on the um, that team lineup graphics, oh yes, here we go, like, going to be back to our best like last season. But they're just not quite ready yet, and it'll take time. Mm-hmm. We've got to kind of get used to the fact that they're they're just coming back after pretty big injuries yeah and and so much so that when the game went to like 10 minutes uh, injury time it was interesting John Duran was asked to come back and slot in as a kind of an auxiliary left back when Moreno went forward or or to just shield at Moreno as well which was really interesting uh, because Moreno must have been out on his feet after 115 minutes almost of football because he yeah. was Evervescent out there, you know, he was flying around the place and he didn't take a backward step. And I loved his goal. He's got two goals and two starts now for Aston Villa, or two goals and two appearances, whatever you want to look at it. One against Warsaw and one against um one, one here 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 today. Um and it's uh he just he got in, into the box a couple of times and had a couple of more shots. He could like if he was if he was a better finisher of the ball or if he was more composed in those instances he could have had a hat-trick today and I don't say that facetiously the one where he gets blocked by Ben Mee again I think it was and then another one he I think he just went straight down flicking throat but um, you know he was getting into the box and he was he was Matty Cash from against Burnley um, attacking wise today you know yeah. uh, that's the way he was and he could have he could have had multiple goals yeah, like I said, I thought he was rusty to begin with, but he'd certainly grew into the game as it went on and he looked more composed. Uh, Ramsey was the one that struggled the most, but again, not not digging into him. Bailey comes off the bench and does what Leon Bailey does off the bench and contributes in some way, this time an assist and a lovely ball across, by the way, for the goal from Moreno that we've obviously just talked about. Uh, I know that at one stage a few weeks ago, Bailey's like goal contributions per 90 was the mm-hmm. best in the league ahead of Haaland and, and other great uh, goal scorers because obviously he's not starting many games. He's coming off and doing something and his you know, goal contributions per 90, something like a goal contribution every 70 minutes or whatever it is I'm, I don't, mm. I'm not sure but that stat I think will be bettered by today as well coming off for however long he played and, and getting another assist he's turned into a little um, little wild card hasn't he I suppose for want of a, a better phrase I think if you looked at his output so far if I if I did a little graphic for you with a, a player's face blurred out and the name blurred out and said this many appearances this many goals and this many assists who is it I think you'd have gone that's Musa Diaby based off mm. the start of the season to say for me to rub out that blur and go, no, it's Leon Bailey. You'd have gone, what? Where's that come from? He's turned yeah. corner, hasn't he? Yeah, he certainly, certainly has. Um, on our own podcast, there have been times when we've been rather critical, and from the when I say critical, we've yeah, been, been rather more expectant than what he has has given us, I suppose, really, um, over the first two years. But you just can't be this year. You know, you have to call it way, the way you see it when people aren't playing well. And you have to call it the way you see when they are playing well. And he is really playing well at the moment, at this moment in time. And and it's great that he doesn't need like uh, a half an hour head start to get going in games. He can come on with 20 minutes to go. And he's been affecting games when he's come on with 20 minutes to go. And he did it again today, you know. 
Um, he's embracing that role. And and even when he starts in games as well, he's having impact, which is yeah. a lot more. Last year, it was a case of he felt he had to score 10 goals with one shot, you know, uh, or that when I, when I run at a player here, I have to beat him. Now he's been a bit more methodical and a bit more calculated in how he takes on players. And he's hugging the touchline. He's not wanting to be that, that person that's all razzle-dazzle. He's playing the game the way that he needs to play it. And Unai Emery has finally kind of got the arm around him. And he's looking good. He's feeling good. And he's playing good. And he's definitely that type of player. Yeah. You are up for another 10 or 15 minutes now? Because I've still got loads to get through. Yeah. Okay. Um, before we get into Watkins' goal and the madness at the end, just as we're heaping the prize on Leon Bailey, it was a little bit Bakuna-esque of 2015, wasn't it? That back pass. Oh, yeah. That was bonkers. Did, did Martin save it? Did he save um, Did he Did he get a touch to it? I think he did, because I'm pretty sure it went out for a corner and we were under the pressure a little bit from Brentford, pretty much off the back of that. That kind of like set the tone for a bad five minutes or so. Of like, we look a bit shaky now. Uh, I think it was must have been a one all, I suppose, off the top of my head. I can't remember. Um, yeah. Just, uh, I don't know, a lack of concentration or uh, uh, he just overhit it, he didn't mean to do it or whatever. I actually think from the angle I've seen from behind the goal, and again, admittedly, it's only on a dodgy stream or whatever, I've not seen it properly. I don't actually think it was going in. I don't think. But no, I'm not sure Martinez knew that. No. I just thought, I've got to get something on this just in case. And to be fair, he's done well to get across to it and, and deal with it in some aspect. But that if that went in, given that we were just trying to get back into the game, as much as we can harp on about Leon Bailey doing well going forward, to overhit that from the halfway line is, yeah, bizarre. Adrenaline is what we call it. Yeah, maybe. Adrenaline. Yeah, maybe. Let's just put it down to that rather than anything else. Yeah. Right. On to the goal then. Ollie Watkins, uh, again, another goal. Um, we obviously just talked about it a little bit. That Leon Bailey puts a great, um, great, no, was that for that goal? Am I getting confused? Leon Bailey's goal. Leon Bailey's Leon Bailey was for the second Reina. goal. Yeah. Yes. Um, the it came from a corner, didn't it? Which uh, Villa went short with a lot of their corners today, which was something different, but it seemed to be working. I think we had three or four in the first half, pretty much straight after each other. We're all short, um, but this one comes in, and I think Kamara flicks it on, and Watkins does well with the header to um, to steer it into the net. Again, a really nice goal. But I suppose the main talking point here is about the celebration. Which I just want to touch on very quickly. I'm sure Neil, if you've already done your podcast, you've probably spoken about this. But yeah. Villa have since released a statement, I guess, a tweet. Uh, Aston Villa FC wants to express its support for Ari Watkins. And with the utmost respect for the big majority of Brentford fans and for the club, we ask the authorities to investigate this incident to find this individual. Zero tolerance to abuse in football. Now, I saw Ollie Watkins' post-match interview where he was saying he explained why he celebrated in that manner. Uh, and also there was pictures of him with uh, Thomas Frank. Again, he said he was explaining why he did that. It's very unusual to see, in any instance, really, a former player selling, celebrating against their former club these days. They tend to just kind of stand there and go, mm, okay, yeah, I've scored and move on. But to go and like, walk into the net, arms folded, look at somebody and point at somebody was very unlike Ollie Watkins as well. And I think if we'd have come on and done this post-match show immediately, we'd have been going, oh, something about Ollie Watkins today, a little bit cocky, a little bit arrogant. Um, but he's since explained that the one member of uh, the Brentford supporter base was giving him personal abuse about a family member, I think I've read since as well, which again, what that is, I'm unsure. Uh, he was asking his interview whether he would report that to, to the clubs. And he said something like, I'm paraphrasing here, well, if they don't believe me, you know, I will put it forward. So I don't want to insinuate what that abuse was, but whatever it is, it is just not be tolerated in any football ground. And hopefully that individual is found and, and, and banned if it's to a, a serious uh, nature, which it sounds like it is. Um, and obviously that 
one supporter does not reflect Brentford as a fan base. It's, no. it's one idiot. But um, yeah, we have to call that out, and, and rightfully so. Ollie Watkins, you're right to call that out. Uh, allegedly, Jason says in the comments, yeah, of course, it's a very uh, up-in-the-air situation at the moment. We don't want to be uh, insinuating anything at all. Um, but yeah, just a, just a strange scenario, and, and I kind of feel like fair play to Ollie Watkins for, for doing that and, and calling that out, and great for him to score what is it, another winner for us. Um, but if something has happened during the game and he feels like he has to come out and speak about it, then yeah, fair play to him for that. Yeah, um, on the whole celebrating in front of your, your former fans, I don't care about that. I'd celebrate if it was me. Would you? It it depends on the player for me, but Ollie Watkins is achieving more with Aston Villa, and I'm just I'm just trying to think how many seasons he spent at Brentford. I don't know, was it three or four? So I'm just thinking, has he been here at Villa longer? Mm-hmm. Um, so look, I I think there's a point of diminishing returns from doing something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously loved by the fans for all the goals he scored at Brentford. Um, and he wouldn't like. He's not. He's not a cocky player. He's not a. He's not a bad player. He's a keep your head down player. He's. Uh, you know. He's. He comes across realistically speaking. Sometimes he comes across as being dry. To be honest with you, you know, he's like a Michael Owen type character at times. Not. Not to that degree. But. Um, you know. So for something like that to happen, he must have taken it to heart, and he must have. It must have been. You know. Whatever it was. Um, but yeah. Who cares? He scored. We won. I'm I'm my my view on it is he scored, we won, they all piled into the back of the goals. Uh your man said like there was no way any of their, their players heard what was said because Godas goes in and starts pulling at Edri Kanza to get him out of the way, and then it, and then at Ollie Watkins. And I you know Goddess has been there for quite a while, but then afterwards, literally, you just see all the Brentford fan, all the Brentford players piling and pushing the Villa players, and then it was the Villa players came in after that. It was a thing and nothing. I think from what Ollie Watkins did. The fan obviously did something, or allegedly did something that was um, uh, untoward, and let the let the authorities stamp it out because there is no place for it in football. If if uh, uh, if it was uh, something that was illegal to that nature or whatever it was, and look, Ali Watkins had the last laugh. It's like it's like the fan running around to punch Jack, and Jack sticks it in the back of the net. Then against uh, against Birmingham, you know, we get well, the last yeah. laugh, yeah. and at the end of the day. That guy, if if whatever happened is proven, um, may not have any laughs in G Tech Park anymore. G <laughs> Tech Park, yeah, I fully agree. Yeah, if there's any wrongdoing done, it will be discovered and yeah. dealt with in, in the right manner. But it, you know what we know about Ollie Watkins, and as admittedly as fans, it's only what we see outwardly towards you know media and interviews and that kind of thing he does not seem the type to react like that this isn't jamie vardy we're talking about it was a, a you know known uh wind-up merchant so something serious must have happened for him to do that and that's probably as much as we should probably say on it uh, at this stage but just wanted to mention it at least um just on his kind of like celebrating in front of your former club you're right that at some point if you've played for your current club longer than your former club you kind of doesn't not that it doesn't matter, but you're over it by that point. Uh, he was at Brentford from 2017 to 2020, playing, according to Wikipedia, 132 games. He's obviously been at Villa since 2020 yeah. uh, for 126 games. So he's just shy of um, having more games for Villa than Brentford. Incidentally, he's already got more more goals for Villa with 49 versus 45. Um, so, yeah, at some point, you don't, it doesn't matter whether you celebrate your, your former club because you've been at your current club longer than you were at your former club for. Anyway, right, yeah. let's move on. Um, I suppose the, the Watkins thing arguably sparks the last 
10 minutes of, of madness, maybe. That's what Watkins mm. himself said in his interview, that it was maybe the, the, the catalyst for that uh, bit of head loss at the end. I'm very wary of how I talk about this next bit, and I'm going to be open and honest about that because we're recording this, what, two or three hours after full time, which is longer than we normally do. But I genuinely normally look back on things a day or two later and sometimes feel differently about how I feel today when the match has just happened. We're obviously doing this live. If we're doing it pre-recorded, I get a chance to watch back what I've said and think, well, maybe I'll edit that out because I, I was a bit harsh or whatever. So I'm, I'm wary of how I phrase what I'm going to say. I think some people will like the last 10 minutes of madness, of the, 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 the fighting and that kind of stuff, the, the going at each other, the swearing housery, the kind of silliness, all that kind of stuff. I think some people will like it. And to a certain extent, I do. I like Martinez being a wind-up merchant. I like Duran going to offer somebody their hand to pick them up and then pulling it away and just silly things like that. Uh, Malpe and, and Martinez having a bit of back and forth. Malpe piles into Martinez and he goes down, which... It's absolutely no right to go down, but it's time wasting. Martinez goes back to Malpau and gives him a little shove and he goes down. Again, I don't mind that part of it, but everything that followed that, I don't like that. I think it crossed a line that I don't want Villa to do. I don't want to devolve down into that. I've been quick to slate people like Mikel Arteta for whining and getting in people's faces and surrounding the referee, players doing things like that. I've been quick to point out people like Bruno Fernandes being a horrible little rat bag and doing nasty things on the pitch and, and winding people up so I don't want to be like oh well, it's one rule for them and one rule for Villa so whilst I like little bits of it and little bits of time waste and little bits of silliness Martin is clutching the ball and lying down on it for 10 seconds and everyone going wee and like it's just a bit of nothing but that at the end was just a bit too far for me Martinez going back and trying to pull my up by shirt really quite giving it some back just what was the point let him sit on the floor. Brentford are losing at that point. Let him time waste for us. There's no reason for him to go down. Emery's having to come onto the pitch. Something we've never seen him do before. We've talked about us being this like classy club and Emery setting a standard and obviously he's coming on to calm things down. But Emery shouldn't have to be getting on the pitch to calm players down. Like we shouldn't we shouldn't get that far. I like little bits and pieces, but going that far with it, I thought was crossing a line. Kamara. What is he doing really at the end to get yourself sent off when you're winning the game, you're away from home, it's a big win, you've got three big games coming up and I know as much of them, as you said earlier, are two two matches in the bottom three, Sheffield United at home and Burnley at home, which Villa should be able to win without a defensive midfielder that sits in and breaks up play and whatnot. We should have the quality to beat them anyway. The Man United game though, you need somebody like Kamara in there because no one in the squad can do what he does. So to get yourself sent off and lose your head in that way of putting a hand around the throat or leading with the head and all that kerfuffle at the end, I thought that was too far. What did you think? Um, yeah, I, I don't mind. I don't mind a bit of fight, as you said there. I don't mind players backing up other players. Um, but I, I suppose, like from Emmy Martin, from the Emmy Martinez point of view, um, like he's a leader in the team. He's a World mm. Cup winner. He's a, he's a he's a big aura. He's a big presence within the team. And if he doesn't pick up Neil Mope, Bubakar Kamara, yeah, he doesn't get the right card. Yeah. You know. And as you said there, and we were talking about this beforehand, and this is just the facts of it. Like you know, if if, if beforehand, if if Martinez stands over Neil Mope and says, "Ref, he's injured. Ref, what should I do here? He's down. He's injured. He's not moving. Uh, should we stop the game, or do you want me to get on with it?" And then let the ref make the call. No, mm. Martinez boots the ball off the field. Everything happens okay. Wind it back 
100 odd minutes at that stage. Um, David Coote was an absolute disgrace today. I thought he was, I thought he was a really poor referee for everybody today. I thought, he, I thought he was bad, and I'm not the only one that thought he was bad. Um, I think he's a poor ref. Um, I think that he had no control over the game. Like in the first half, there wasn't a card given, there wasn't a caution given, there was nothing. And then all of a sudden, he gives it like, and the right card was a right card, but like the tackles that started to go in, he just he lost he lost control straight away. Like the the, the second, yeah. uh, the the, the, the <coughs> he'd left tackles going the first half. I think the two VAR incidents uh, either side of halftime weren't were not great um, either. Um, I just think overall that the refereeing performance was poor. He lost control of it, and it devolved into this at the end. Now, saying that, players have have a right to professionalism, but there is passions, there's adrenaline, there's there's a, the fact that Villa were one 0 down and scored two goals in the space of eight minutes, uh, in it, and the, the second being in the eighty fifth minute to keep their t- title charge, um, title charge after what we spoke about at the start going, um, you know. So I can understand where the passions come from, but. You know, when we have leaders, we got to put ourselves in the best position. We've got very few players on the team or on the field that are over the age of 30. Um, and that was one of them. And that's not to say that once you get to over the age of 30, you become a model citizen. Far from it. I'm 38 myself. I can attest to that. But, you know, I think if I if you were to put my hand on my heart, if you were to put your hand on Una Emery's heart afterwards, he will say that. And he will say, we had some really experienced players. We had some players out there that were... Um, and I think he would probably call Martinez out and say, I like what you do. You're a brilliant goalkeeper. You kept us in this game. You made some super saves. And Bubakar should not have been putting your hands in anyone's face. It's his fault he did that. But you don't pick up Neil Maupai. The pile-in doesn't happen. The pile-in yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah, and somebody isn't in the situation to do that. So it's the butterfly flaps the wings kind of uh, uh, scenario in that instance there. Um, I'm very happy to see the see the players back themselves up as long as people don't get sent off. I don't want to come across like some football prude here that like I don't like the violence <laughs> and all that. I'm fully on board with the, the 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 silliness of Martinez doing the things that I mentioned earlier, but yeah. I think there's a line you cross and Kamara across that. Martinez was booked, as was Emery, which again we've talked about, like this kind of setting the standard of being a classy operator, and that that wasn't what I associate with being classy operators. That last few minutes, as much as we won the game, taints it as oh, we kind of lost our heads here. The, the title winners do stuff like that. The teams in the top four do. Yeah, stuff they like do. That. Unite, Unite, United did it for twenty years. United got got around referees and and yeah, piled in on top of other players for twenty years. <laughs> there's, there's an argument that and this I've got a couple of comments here that I'll, I won't flash up, but I'll read because some of them include language that I shouldn't be saying. Uh, from Ty, who says we've been such a nice club for such a long time and it's okay, but we need to change that and we need to be totally ruthless. And I agree with that. We are way too nice sometimes, especially under Dean Smith. It's this nice guy kind of attitude, and I agree that we need to be uh, harder sometimes. And Villa are that a lot of the time, but. I just don't think there was any need for Kamara specifically to do what he did. We're going to miss him for three games now. And yeah. as much as we should really still be winning Sheffield United and Burnley, Man United, we've got a better chance of winning with Kamara than without him. And even if we drop points in any of those games now, we'll be thinking we're missing something in midfield here. We'll look back on that and go, well, that was silly to get involved in that because you've cost us now. And fingers crossed it doesn't do that. I've split the comments. Some people saying, well said, completely agree. Some people saying, no, Emmy's right. He's the best goalkeeper in the world. Let him do what he wants. That's just his character. I like the fighting. It shows that we're together. Agreed. Like, I get that. Like, piling them together, as you say, sticking up for each other. 
But McGinn, who is the captain, was fuming with Martinez. Yeah. So if he is, and then we're saying afterwards that we'll review the situation and you know we'll analyse what went wrong at the end, he'll be fuming with it as well. You don't shoot yourself in the foot and do what Ben Mee did and go and get yourself sent off and suspended for three games at an important time. For Martinez, like maybe Kamara is thinking, if I do something here, maybe I'll save Martinez because maybe he's you know, borderline getting a red card here, so I'll do something worse to kind of take the heat off him, maybe. Because I'd rather lose Kamara for three games than Martinez for three games. But just, I don't know, I just thought, I don't want to delve into it too much. So again, I'm, I'm fully aware that some people are going to think I'm being um, too whatever about it, too soft, if that's the right word. Uh, but I just didn't like it. Ultimately, it's not really mattered because we've gone on to win the game. But there was 10 minutes added time, and that, time waste and gets added back on there's still going to be three or four minutes after that what if we lose Kamara and then concede and we, it does affect us today as well like again I feel like we've kind of got away with that so um, yeah some people say passion some people say fight some people say you've crossed the line and I think it's okay to have varying opinions on that um, but I don't like us to cross that line too often I think is how I feel about it but like I said before maybe in a, a week or two I'll feel differently about it and I'll think I'll look back on this live stream and think, oh, what was I saying? I was getting too too emotional over something that doesn't matter. But as of tonight, I just think we can be better than that last five minutes, and I would like us to be better than that. Yeah. And I would add to caveat saying, if we need to have one of those and not get red cards in every single game, and we get three points from every single game between now until the end of the season, as I said, the week without my pants on, I have no problem with that. You know, we win the league. Um, yeah. There will be spontaneous, spontaneous nudity uh, all over the place in celebration. And that's, uh, I, I don't care at the end of the day. It's like, it's like if, there was, if we didn't get a red card in that instance today, I genuinely would be sitting here going, don't see the issue with it. I, yes, the only yeah, reason agreed. I see an issue with it is because we got a red card. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's, you've just summarised it better than I have in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> um, we'll call it a day there. Please let us know in the comments which side of the argument you fall on. Was that too far? Was it passion? Was it uh, just a bit of fight? Uh, let us know. Uh, don't dig into us too far if you disagree. Uh, we've done 45 minutes of good football chat, I thought. I think we've covered most things from the game. And we tried yeah. to go a little bit longer tonight because tomorrow's Monday show will not be about Brentford. We generally do the post-match show as a reaction to the game and then we dive deeper into talking points around the game on the Monday show. But tomorrow's Monday show is a live special at 4.30pm and it's our 2023 season review where we look at the calendar year as a whole, pick our goal of the year, player of the year, favourite moment of the year, all those kind of things. It'll be me, John Townley, Rob Warner and Matt Kendrick doing a roundtable chat about 2023 as a calendar year live on YouTube where you can join us at 4.30pm and get involved with your comments, your suggestions for goal of the year, player of the year, all those kind of things. Uh, this is the nearest Monday that we can do this show because obviously Christmas Day is a Monday and then we're into 2024. But yes, there's still three games to go in 2023, but we're going to take stock of an 81-point haul, uh, pick the, the best bits of that. So if you can, join us on Monday at 4.30. If you can't and you only can catch up with that, please do. I'm sure it'll be a good show and I'm, uh, I'm very very much looking forward to it. Put it out on Christmas Day, then. Put it out on Christmas Day. I I look for I I find Christmas Day to drag. On. I love. Don't get me wrong. I love Christmas. I'm Mister Christmas. Uh, hence the white beard. Um, but uh, that's not real at all. That's that's. I dye it white. I dye it white just to just to reflect my inner Santa Claus. Um, but uh, yeah, I always struggle around looking for something to do on Christmas, and there's never any podcasts. And I listen to about ten hours of podcasts every day. So put it out on Christmas Day, and don't bother doing it tomorrow then. I'll tell you it's what, my- Neil, we've got something else for Christmas Day. 
they'll oh, actually come out to you. We're filming a Christmas special episode as we do every year on Wednesday, which is the twentieth, and that will come out on Christmas Eve. So if you want to save that meal for Love. your evening on Christmas Day, there will be a Claret and Blue Christmas special. Uh, spoiler alert for people that have watched at the very end of this: it's a quiz, which is what we do every year, and I'm the quiz master this year, and I've come up with some fun, different games, hopefully, rather than just uh, boffing, boffing out on uh, general knowledge, boffing, boffing. Is that a word? Being a boffing, yeah. boffing. Oh, I don't oh, know. Right. Absolutely lost. Yeah. Is that one of the questions uh, for the for the, the quiz? <laughs> yeah. Please spell boffing. Um, yes, uh, nerding out is probably the better phrase. <laughs> so tomorrow, four thirty p.m., we're live on YouTube doing our twenty twenty three review. Please join us if you can. If you can't, it will be available on podcast platforms and whatever as usual. Uh, Wednesday the twentieth, we're filming our Christmas special, which will come out on Christmas Eve. Before that, obviously, we'll preview uh, Sheffield United, and the Sheffield United game is the twenty third. Is it 22nd? 22nd on Friday. Um, So we'll do a post-match show for that as well. So our usual match content will be here this week. And we'll also do Boxing Day as well, of course. No days off over Christmas. Um, But yeah, look out for our Christmas special this time next week. In fact, it'll it'll be next Sunday. So long-winded outro just to explain where we are. Um, Thank you, everyone, though, for joining me. Thank you, Neil, for sharing 45 minutes of your time. Very much appreciated, as always. Uh, If you enjoyed this one, please leave a like on the video and subscribe to Claret & Blue to keep up to date with all that content I've just talked about. And we'll see you very soon, aka tomorrow. Cheers, everyone. Bye-bye.